0: Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Welcome to 3am. 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 Where we discuss and dissect the Supernatural.
3: Yo, yo, yo. It's a 3M podcast. My name is Charlie. My My, name is
2: DJ.
1: My name is Sean. Ooh, a little competition. (laughs) Sorry, dude. (laughs) Nah,
3: dude. Uh, We tell scary stories and we tell jokes. Welcome. If you're a first-time listener,
1: welcome. Welcome. If not, if you're
2: (laughs) a hundredth-time listener, welcome. Sean, why are you skeptical?
1: (laughs) Why are you a skeptical, Sean? (laughs) Why am I a skeptic? Why am I skeptical? Um... I've been thinking about this recently due to the, uh, the AMA we threw out on Instagram. And one question – actually, you know what? I think that was the only question that was asked that was aimed at one person specifically. And I was like, oh, man, I'm getting called out right now. <laughs> um, I think it's just the way my brain works. Like if something happens, my brain just automatically goes towards what makes sense. So, like, for example, that one time we were living in that townhome in Bluffdale – and I'm watching the scary movie, and then downstairs the front door slams open. And I was like, as the wind went and closed the door and locked it, and it didn't happen again. But like, that's just what my brain does. It goes to what's the most possible.
3: The main difference, I think, between you and people in scary movies, because people in scary movies, if that happened, they'd be like, ah, it's just the wind, but then they wouldn't do anything about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Whereas you were like, all right, I don't think that's – bells coming through my front door probably not however i'm gonna take the proper and necessary steps to make sure i don't get got do you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah yeah so it's like you are skeptical or you don't immediately jump to pazuzu or you know whatever
1: okay yeah yeah
3: but you do act or protect as
1: if it could be it's true and like i did check the house I was like, you know what? I got to make sure there's nothing down. I didn't check upstairs because, like, I was upstairs in this townhome. There's no way it could have gotten past me. So I had to go and check the garage. I looked in DJ's room at the time is where you were at. Check, like, the other closets with my machete. or not my machete. I have, like, this buck knife just in case. But, like, I was still like, nah, it's probably the wind. But if we're talking about, like, things that I do believe in, there's obviously things I can't explain. Hmm. And so – I guess that puts me in the category of I have to believe it. Like, we've told some scary stories on here. I'm like, I don't know how to explain that shit away.
2: Hmm. So
1: There's some demand stories out there that I really don't know about.
2: <laughs> so it's scientific method. Kind of. Just keep trying to prove it wrong.
1: Yeah, Endless. if I can't, can't, then. find
2: anything else, and it's like, I guess.
1: I think the other thing that probably sets me apart from, like, a skeptic is I want to believe. Yeah. Because, like, I'm about the good story. I'm like, I, I want that good story. And if it turns out to be not good, not then that makes me more sad. So. And it's a good mix
3: because immediately I'll jump to, you know, the CIA is here. <laughs> and they're doing, <laughs> you know what I mean? But Sean yeah. might, will keep us a little more grounded. I, two things. Yeah. Had another nightmare. Oh, shoot. Waking nightmare. I'm in my bed open my eyes and when i wake up it there is no like transition where i'm tired i am like immediately wake up so i'm in my bed i wake up i look over at my closet and my clothes are spread apart by someone just sitting there like this ew so like hands were through my clothes pushing them to the sides and just a dark figure was standing there and i was like took me once again 30 seconds of blinking and then finally it went away and i was like gosh damn it
1: I don't like that, So dude.
3: creepy, dude. Why is it always your closet, bro? Okay, I did some research. <laughs> on your closet. On why I'm obsessed with being in my closet. Out. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I have no idea what that could be. Uh, No, it was a theory on why we have sleep paralysis. Okay. And the theory is that an attachment or an entity, whatever you want to call it, is testing you. And they're testing to see how scared you react because if they can get fear from you then it like fuels them and they can go more and more and more so that's kind of my theory why like things don't happen to you is because like you don't react in fear you don't give them any fuel you know what i mean no calories we get energy from food and yoga and what all this stuff and it's like they get it from sapping our energy monsters inc It's a 1,000% Monsters, Inc. If you think of Adrenochrome and watch Monsters, Inc., it's really weird. It is, dude. (laughs) Like, the idea, if you are unfamiliar and not from the U.S. (laughs) or something, it's like they scare kids and it gives them power. And, like, the higher you can scare kid, the higher power. And it's like, dude.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Really, the moral of the story was is you get the kids to laugh and you get more power.
3: (laughs) That's true. That's why we mix comedy in because we're trying to sap all your power listeners. No, but so – that's something I'm not telling you for, uh, like, telling you what to do with your life. But next time you have sleep paralysis, just know that the theory exists, that it's a test of fear. So if you just don't react with fear, you're not fueling it.
1: Interesting.
3: And I usually don't react with a ton of fear when I have my sleep things. I'm just like, I blink until it's gone, and then I'm like, oh, okay. And I go back <laughs> to sleep. But they keep happening. So yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That it, makes sense in my mind, though. <laughs> Like, things r- trying to get a reaction out of you. Yeah. Maybe it's because i see seen Monsters, Inc. one too many times, but <laughs> it could be a thing. I don't know. You know how we, like,
3: theorized um, entities and attachments are attracted to people who are going through, like, turmoil more? Yeah. We, like, talked about it and we came to that conclusion, but I heard it, like, bona fide laid out by paranormal investigators or, like, studies of attachment and spirits. They were like, no, that's a thing. And... When you're under the influence of mind altering drugs, so like, and I don't want to sound like a square. To each their own. Do whatever (laughs) you want. Ingest whatever you want. But if you're like super drunk all the time, like an alcoholic, or you're under the influence of drugs, they described it as like, if you're in the nether or the spirit world, um, when you do that, it's like you're a shining light, and you you attract entities. Like you, Hmm. yeah, you open yourself up, and so more of them will gravitate towards you if you had like a traumatic childhood, things like that. Right, right. But anyway, I just wanted to come back to you guys and say like, it's not just us pontificating here. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's not just, <laughs> not just us. It's like, that's a legit thing.
2: No, that makes sense. There was a study done on haunted houses trying to find like scientific correlations between all of them and the common denominator was there were increased levels of carbon monoxide. Wait, so What? Through like the de- deterioration of these old homes and the appliances oh. in the homes, <laughs> like carbon monoxide was more present, not in dangerous amounts, but uh, enough to show that there was more than the average home. And uh, the study was showing that that probably has like plays a factor into like hallucinations and.
1: I could see that. I was totally thought you were talking about like the made up haunted houses though, and was like. They're pumping CO2 in they're there. Sorry. Yeah. I was like,
3: "Why is like factory or fear factory?" Like, yeah. I was like, "That's so weird." I, yeah. like, like, how the hell and why they're just pumping in carbon monoxide? I was like, "That, well, that is so weird." But you're talking about like real cases of haunted houses.
2: That's actually a good idea, though, for the fake haunted houses. <laughs> yeah. Just pump chemicals into the air. Yeah, they it's, should pump like CO or
3: like uh, straight oxygen, so everyone's like kind of high and yeah. feeling
2: weird.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. that
3: would be wasted. Get a little
1: bit more of a reaction out yeah. of people.
2: Some type of psychedelic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: Like, have a real whore,
1: yeah.
2: right? That's <laughs> hilarious.
3: Uh, do you guys have any memories of going to haunted houses, like, during October?
1: We've talked about it a little bit before. What do you mean? Like, during October? Like, in our lives? Or, like...
3: Yeah, at all. Like, oh, okay. growing
1: up or anything. You you talked about how the PCC, like, does a
3: haunted thing.
2: Yeah. Do they still do it? I don't know. It's been, like, 11 years since I <laughs> lived at home, so...
3: You should send a letter back and yeah. see if The, the white still- lady of
2: La Ye, but... My, my homie, uh, this is, probably take this off because it's kind of irrelevant. Uh, he makes, like, bootleg t-shirts and sells them out so quick. Uh, he made, like, my, my Yu-Gi-Oh shirt. So, hell, yeah. But uh, he's dropping one. He just did not say he's dropping one on October 1st. It's the Legend of Morgan's Corner. Oh, it's dope. I got to buy it. I want one for all of us. bro. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but, no, leave anyway. that in, bro. <laughs> Shout him out. What's his IG? He's a... Uh, He's a he's a rapper and he makes t-shirts. His <laughs> name's <laughs> Connor Boy, C N R B O Y.
1: Dope, sick. <laughs> Shout out Connor Boy. Did I remember going to a whole lot of haunted houses? There was one that I remember going to, like growing up before, like I moved out on my own, and it was in Washington at like a local high school, and it was all like you got A list, B list, C list, D list. E-list is where we were at. <laughs> I just remember, like, like burned into my mind, there are a couple of, like, rooms that we walked into that I remember. One was this person lying on a table, and it looked obviously like their, like, stomach had been opened up and they were dead. And then someone was behind the table with, like, a knife, like, he made me do it. He made me do it. And I was like, the f*** <laughs> is this? <laughs> that was the one that I remember. Off the top of my head. Just not scared at all? Just not scared. I was like, this is so dumb. Like, what are we doing here? Dude, I get spooked. I get mad uncomfortable. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Especially like the one that effed me the most was you walked in and it was an entire church. Like, it was a big haunted house. So, there's like 10 pews on each side. And there's like 50 figures covered in sheets. And they're all like rocking back and forth at different speeds. And you have to walk down the middle. Oh! So I was like, there's there's nowhere to be safe. So it's <laughs> yeah, you start walking down and then, you know, the third guy from the left like jumps up and starts running at you. And you're like, oh, shit. You run. <laughs> but those are the ones that like scare me the most is when they make you walk through two things and you don't know
1: which one's oh, real yeah, or yeah. not. Have you ever been to, uh, what is it, the Nightmare on 13th? I've never, no, never. Cause like I went one year, maybe it was like seven or eight years ago. That's a big one in Utah, right? Yeah, yeah, just up in Salt Lake. And each level was a different, like, uh, What's the word I'm thinking of? Something that you're afraid of. Like uh phobia? Phobia. Each level is a different phobia. So one was like like homophobia. Homophobia. (laughs) Just like ripped ass dudes. Xenophobia.
3: (laughs) Ripped ass dudes just like giving you lap dances.
1: He was like, ah, I'm terrified. Stop it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, I gotta stay here for the rest of the night. Sorry, guys. Something's rising here. (laughs) (laughs) Spooky level rising.
1: (laughs) The-
3: xenophobia
1: <laughs>
3: it's like hi I'm ethnic
1: <laughs> like, ah! there's some tacos yeah. yeah
2: it's like a bunch of good food <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: it's like, culture
2: yeah. love there's flavor happiness. in our food yeah Do they actually
1: use seasoning <laughs> <laughs> something That's- other than salt <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that if you want to be real hilarious. scared then go to nightmare on 13 <laughs> damn
3: <laughs> If the marketing team for them hears us, like we just gave them their <laughs> their whole, <laughs> the whole haunted. Damn year <laughs> <That's> so funny.
1: <laughs> there was a couple rooms though that I was like, this is so dumb. Like one was the fear of thirteen. And the room was like a neon room with the number 13 everywhere, plastered on the wall. And it was like, like this is, this is lazy bro. That's <laughs> light work. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was one that was cool. Uh have you ever been through those machines where you walk on like the like little path and there's the outside room that's like spinning around. Yeah. I don't know what phobia that relates to, but Vertigo? Vertigo or <laughs> yeah. something. But that one was kind of trippy. Yeah. And there's like someone on the other end trying to do something, but I don't recall exactly what happened.
3: Dude, uh, haunted houses need to be taking more risks. Because they're like using the same model from like the 1930s. <laughs> it's like, dude, let's step it up. We could do we could do some stuff. Throw
1: a 13 up on the wall.
3: Um,
2: did did your uh as Mormons growing up, did all of you guys have the renowned trunk or treat? Oh, oh
3: hell, of course. Yeah, dude. brother. <laughs> so
2: I, I swear it was pretty commonplace for all Mormons, but why? Why do we have trunk or treat? Because we have nothing else to <laughs> celebrate. Like, <laughs> it's like we're boring as hell. So they're like, dude, we got to give them
3: something.
2: <laughs> yeah, basically, trunk or treat for all you non Mormons out there, sinners. <laughs> sinners. Uh, you just pull up in a parking lot, decorate the trunk of your car, and you sit there, and the kids like come, go from trunk to trunk and get candy instead of door to door. So I it's think more, part of it is like being safe,
1: more efficient,
2: not like just yeah. I don't know, dude. I was about that efficiency. It's probably it, safety. I, yeah. Well, it's also like just a ward, like a, like a ward church activity, it's a ward you know, act- you know yeah, like everyone yeah, getting together. But there was one year where they commissioned the youth of the church in my in my it's called a ward my ward to do the haunted house. So it was in the part of the the church where there's like a big, we call it the overflow, but it's like one big long room in the back of the chapel in case like church is popping off on <laughs> Sunday or something. We open it up and we have more room for people, but it's all closed off. So we made like this huge maze out of cardboard and spent like a month uh, drawing all the artwork and uh, planning like the different sections of it and it was super fun. And then the oldest uh young men <laughs> made it their mission to like actually try to terrorize all the <laughs> children. <laughs> the so, true spirit of Halloween, dude. Yeah, oh, yeah. dude. They're like throwing dodgeballs at like kids' heads. <laughs> this, and,
1: like, <laughs> with, like, this is not even scary anymore. <laughs> yeah. Scared of getting mobbed. Yeah.
2: Headhunting and then uh, Just scissors at ankles, Be- oh, <laughs> snipping. That's a, that's truly scary. Yeah. Um, excommunication at one point. <laughs> they try to force Banishing like uh, people out of the Mountain church. Dew on kids. Yeah. <laughs> Drink caffeine. Yeah, uh, dragging kids like it was, it was crazy. Uh, they didn't they didn't have us do it like the following years. Yeah, after. Like, I don't oh, think it was uh, too bad. But.
3: We're not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Have you guys heard of McCainy Manor? McCainy
1: Manor. Is it McCamey? That's how I've been saying it. All right, well, mm-hmm. I could be wrong.
3: We all know. We're all aware of it, but let's explain to our listeners. So there's like levels of scary houses, spooky houses. What the hell are they called? Haunted houses. <laughs> there's a decorated trunk at a church parking lot. There's Friday the 13th or whatever up in Salt Lake. And
1: then there's McCamey, McCamey, McCamey McKamey Manor is what it is. McCamey
3: Manor. And so there are some... Haunted houses where if you give them permission, the actors can touch you. They can come grab you. They can take you away from your group. Mm-hmm. That's where I draw the line. I, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I don't need that. Uh, <laughs> Sean and Kevin are like, no, we're down. We'll do it because they're brave. But this guy takes it to the next, 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 he makes next you level. you sign
2: all of the waivers. This is the dude who does it for free, or he like he expects payment in dog, dog food. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So he started running this haunted house out of his house in San Diego. And immediately all his neighbors start complaining because what he does is straight up
2: like torture. Yeah. So he will take people, he'll shave their heads, he'll pull teeth. Before that, doesn't he like kind of interview you to learn about you and your yeah. fears so he can like tailor? the experience to you.
3: Yeah. He, the, the entire experience is designed to drink, like to drain you. I believe he was like a, uh drill sergeant. He so may, he like I mean, knows how like to yell at people and break people down. So even the signing of the waiver takes like two hours. They do it in the heat. He yells at you. He tells you you're quitting the entire time. He, he like tries to F with you the entire time. And then you write down a really long string of words that you will remember. That's your safe word. And immediately he's like, you're going to, you're going to quit. Like, He's intentionally trying to get you to quit, right? (laughs) And so from the very, like, get-go, he's psychologically, like, breaking you down. By the time you get to his house, you haven't even started, people are, like, shitting bricks, dude. Like, uh, uh, they... I watched a documentary where they followed several people going through it. Five or six super tough guys who were like, no, like I'll get through this. Like I served in Iraq. It's like they quit by the time they got to the house. They were like, no, this is effed up. I'm not doing this. So yeah, he can separate you. He can like waterboard you. He can put you in coffins, put roaches on you. He's like pulled people's teeth, shaved their head. He'll like duct tape your head like 20 times and just leave tiny little holes for you to breathe out of.
1: Hell.
2: And then people just like yelling. I'm So like. He's like stuffed people's heads into like uh like a bath of pig's blood. Like, it's insane. He takes it there. And he like hires like
3: local high school kids and stuff. It's like <laughs> kind of a week. So all of his neighbors complain and they're like, dude, get this guy out of here. Because people are just screaming like bloody murder. It sounds like people are dying. Uh, and you would think, wow, this guy's business would not last because who would want to do that? That's wrong. It's quite the opposite. He's like blowing up and bought like a ton of land somewhere. It's in like Alabama. And he has like a four year waiting list or something. Like so many people want to. And he has people who come repeat customers. They've done it like three times.
2: I don't understand why he doesn't take payment. I don't know why why we do everything. (laughs) (laughs) No. He must be like independently funded. Maybe.
3: Maybe there's some legality to like Uh, once you start accepting payment, something happens. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, there's that's like the top level. That's like... (laughs) The next, 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 next level, (laughs) dude. Yeah, and I comfortably draw draw the line like 13 steps behind that. (laughs) Uh, If any of our listeners have creepy things they've experienced in haunted houses, hit us up so we can talk about it more. Oh, yeah. Like, what's your favorite thing about October or activity? I love... The full-on excuse to just watch scary movies like every day.
1: <laughs> I actually, I'm on board with that too. I straight up watched two today. <laughs> I walked in the house and Sean's casually watching. I know what you. I still know what you did last summer. <laughs> it was right after watching. I know what you did last summer, yeah. and then I turned on. I always know what you did last summer, which is kind of trash. <laughs> actually, second one was kind of trash too, but the first one was kind of dope. First one is dope. <laughs> Carving pumpkins. I mean,
2: you could say mid nah,
3: overrated mid for me. It's kind of overrated for me.
2: Overrated. Anything pumpkin's overrated. <laughs> pumpkin spice, pumpkin pie. I agree.
3: Come I on, come at it. us.
2: Sean's for it.
1: I mean, it's still like it's not like something I die for. What but do you, I What enjoy are you it. not for? What am I not for? man Manor I'm not for, dude. In
3: regards to like Halloween or October
1: or general. In general?
3: Yeah, what would be your floors of uh
1: phobias, Sean phobias? <laughs> Let's see. Well, I don't want my teeth pulled out. That would <laughs> Costs money. If it's going to cost me money that I don't want to pay, that's my levels. Bro,
3: I routinely have a dream where in my dream I have braces. And I can lick and feel them in my dream. And then at some point in my dream, all my teeth fall out. Oh, and I can go. <laughs> <laughs> and all my teeth will spin around the wire of my braces. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I'm I'm like, dude, I, I've my my life is effed up. Anyway,
2: it's that's like the clown idea. thing you shoot in the arcade with the <laughs> yeah. teeth. Except oh, it's yeah. in my mouth. Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, gosh. All right. We're doing kind of a shorter episode because we're recording one directly after this. So we're going to get direct uh, right into our stories.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever had a relationship that you're proud of? Proud of because you put in the work. And the other person put in the work as well. Uh, didn't have to be perfect, but uh, effort was made. Honest effort. I think it's definitely more rare to have those types of relationships. Uh, the good thing is with, with therapy, at least in my experience, uh, that's something I've been able to find, uh, somebody who invests in me, uh, especially when I invest in myself and we'd love, love, love for you to experience something similar. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Uh, it's entirely online designed to be convenient and flexible, suited to your schedule. Uh, become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Uh, go ahead and visit BetterHelp.com/slash3am today to get 10 percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel slash 3 am
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No,
1: Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case,
2: I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Now we roll our 20-sided die to determine in what order we tell our stories.
2: The numbers are.
1: 11, 18, oh. 14. Oh.
2: So it's me, Sean, Charles. Hey, yo. All right. This story comes from a listener. His name's Josh, and he is a veteran. And his story comes from his experience being deployed in Iraq for the first time. And he said he arrived in Iraq. I arrived there. It was January 4th, 2017. Oh, recent. So pretty recent. Yeah. And he it didn't sound like he knew too much about Iraq. He says he remembers watching, oh, what movie was it? Where they found like a statue of Pazuzu in Iraq. Uh, the Exorcist. The exorcist. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what? Yeah, he says he remembers that, but that was like all he knew about <laughs> Iraq. So just a light, g- cool, fun place. Yeah. <laughs> a nice little fun fact. Just chill. Um, but he gets there and he said his first impression. Is that it was pitch black, and then even during the day, it was uh, visually like one of the darkest place. Uh, it was the darkest place he had ever been in, so super disorienting. And we've talked I feel like about it's this- pretty bright over there, like
3: I, I yeah, sun. I, I, I don't
2: know, dude. Um, this was just what he he wrote into He's us, and I wish the vibe. <laughs> I wish I could talk to him because some of the details were kind of hazy. And he sent in a video as well that kind of illustrated how dark it was. Oh shoot. And it felt like, I don't know, like San Francisco or London fog, like you couldn't see really anything with clarity. Oh. Um, so really disorienting. But he had, he had a handful of experiences that really stuck out. There were some smaller ones like sleep paralysis, which he had like a handful of growing up. And that actually leads to, to his first experience that really like stuck out to him while, while in Iraq. So he's sleeping in the barracks one night. He, they're not getting a ton of sleep. And his homie walks in to wake him up for, for like a security patrol watch kind of thing. And he's really not wanting to leave his, his bunk because he's so tired. Which at that point, he starts getting dragged out of bed. As opposed to just being shaken awake. He opens his eyes and there's nothing there. So that was the first of of the experiences that he ran into and kind of set him off guard and little by little he starts to see himself as well as his his friends start to kind of go a little crazy. The second like part Like stir crazy or Yeah, yeah. Huh. The second part is not so much an experience but his there was one night where he was on watch and all of these things happen while they're like on night patrol. The second one is he's on watch with another homie who has been to Iraq multiple times. Not his first, not his first trip, but he's talking to him about the the different hauntings of the area. And he says, The only one you really have to worry about, Josh, are the orbs. And Josh says, he's thinking to himself, why like I've heard stories of orbs, we've seen videos and pictures of orbs. Mm-hmm. Why do we have to? <laughs> he thinks it's it's kind of stupid, but he says these orbs here glow red and if they touch you, you'll become possessed. So he's just standing there in the middle of the night hearing this from his homie and is like, Okay, whatever. <laughs> and that was that. So a few weeks later, they're patrolling through one of their vehicles. Somebody's like posted on one of the guns, and uh they have like night vision all of them have night vision goggles. They're trying to like patrol around the camp, I guess discreetly. When they're going pretty quickly, and the gunman yells, stop, stop, stop. So they come to a full halt.
3: Are they in a warthog, or what are they in? A yeah. warthog. <laughs>
2: <again>? <laughs> a banshee. Um, yeah, Some. I, I, I'm not sure. Okay. So right. I
3: was picturing a wall. A lot of this is uh,
2: the way it was written. I Like I said, I wish I could talk to Josh and like get some of the details straight. So this is me trying to piece together. a lot of what he wrote but uh the gunman yells from up top stop They come to a a halt really quick and they said what do you see they said there's somebody right in front of the car do you not see that and everyone's looking nobody sees anything so they get out they walk in front i said it's just 10 feet in front of the car they get out they walk 20 30 feet search the area all around nothing he said that freaks him out uh This is when he starts to notice that not just him, but other people are experiencing strange things while they're there. All the while he keeps having sleep paralysis and uh, he's hanging around a lot of people who uh, there's some of them. He's, he's a Christian. He was raised born and raised Christian believes in God. A lot of his friends on the team are either atheists or like Satanists. (laughs) So, Chip, there's regular talk, <laughs> there's regular talk about like satanic rituals and things like that. Uh, it's just a very foreign environment for him, and he's just trying to make it through his tour. <laughs> Damn. So
3: he has like earthly and other earthly like enemies yeah. everywhere.
2: <laughs> the next night, they're on patrol. this vehicle that they're in, if I remember correctly, there's a driver then the passenger, then there's a row like a bench in the back of the bed facing each other. And can fit three guys, so six to- six total. Three guys are facing each other. The other three. Sorry, did I explain that? Stupid. Nope. Uh, and then there's a gunman on t- up top as well. Mm-hmm. They're driving around, and it had been a few hours. I don't know where they w- they were going, but he's watching one of his friends start to doze off. His head nods down, and then he's awakened, and his head nods down again, and then he's he's dead asleep. He's watching him. He's watching him. And he wakes up and he's freaking out. He starts screaming and they're all trying to calm him like, dude, what's going on? And he starts threatening them. He's like, don't
3: touch me. Don't touch me. Oh, no.
2: That goes on for a few minutes and he finally is able to calm down and they ask him, you know, what's going on? You know, what do you need? Uh, How can we help you? And he said, I opened my eyes because there was a bright light in our car. And it was a bright red light. And it went to each of you. And I watched it. Cause he was sitting like towards the end of the the bed, like closest to the the driver and the and the passenger. And he said, Each person took this orb and as soon as they touched it, like their whole demeanor changed. And they would pass it to the next person. And it went back and forth until it went to the last person before him. They took it and they tried to give it to him. And that's when he woke up and he was like Like, get the hell away from me. Like, don't touch me. And that all happened in the truck. So when they got to their destination, Josh talked to him and said, hey, did so-and-so tell you the same thing about the red orbs here? Because this is the first time he had heard about this from somebody else. And his homie who had the dream said, no, I'd never heard that before. So that experience really haunted Josh. His tour finished. And he went home and it was his first night home uh some of his friends um were in the area as well and they wanted to go to the bar and get some drinks uh he decided not to because he was feeling so tired so he stayed home when he's awakened by a phone call he answers the phone call and it's his dad and his dad's voice is coming through really static like and his dad says, son, whatever you do, don't listen to this sounding like song or sound. But it cuts off and the sound, uh, the song started playing. And the song that was playing was like some Iraqi prayer that they played over the loudspeakers like at a mosque mm. and them singing over the mic. Wait, wait, sorry. The dad's voice said, son, whatever you do, don't listen to this. To the song and then it cuts out oh, and then it starts playing and then he woke up and he talks about how he feels like this thing this orb or whatever happened there or whatever was going on there followed him home because he keeps having sleep paralysis uh and dreams and things that are tied to what happened uh in iraq uh, he included that video, and I watched it after. I was wondering if it was the song or something, but it was just a video of like the environment like... and how dark it was. Yeah, <laughs> trying to plug your ears. Yeah. So uh, it's just a bunch of uh, weird experiences. Like I said, I I really wish I could have talked to him because I probably could have milked more details that illustrated it a little better. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things are come off kind of weird, so I'm not trying to explain how any of this happened. It's just the loose pieces or breadcrumbs of what what he experienced but right that was josh's experience in during his tour in iraq dude that sucks <laughs> because
3: up until now i've always been the most dismissive about orbs like that's just
2: bullshit that's yeah. just dust <laughs> yeah. like they're just photographing dust yeah i've
3: never heard a story that like
1: they interacted made me with it out from it. orbs Like that they could actually affect you in some way. Yeah.
3: Anytime I see a supernatural video and they're like, we caught an orb. I'm like,
1: eh. Okay. I'm sorry if you're really into it. That's on you. That's
3: cool. (laughs) I just like (laughs) swipe immediately. (laughs) Not about it. But that's terrifying. Red orbs. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. All right. Is that you? That's me. I'm up.
2: Wait, wait, sorry. Is it going on right now in Josh's life? I don't know. I tried to look him up on Instagram. I couldn't find him.
1: Wait, really? He hit us up on Instagram. Really? Like I was the one who told him to send that story. DJ, what are orbs?
3: That voice you hear is the homie Alex. I grow up, grow up with it. I grew up with him. He's one of my best <laughs> friends. Uh, but Alex is chilling in the studio with us. So, what up, Alex? What up?
2: Uh, orbs. There's always videos and pictures of people like their security cam footage and they're like, We captured this orb. And it's just like this bright white thing. Orb. I can't put it in It's that like
1: either. like a floating ball of light. Like basically that's it. Like people catch it on camera and films like and go across
3: a frame or something. Yeah. Is that like UFO shit? Or is it yeah. supposed to be super? Some people think it's UFO, some people think it's like a spirit you're capturing, like their imprint. On the digital, but I've always just thought it's dust, dust particle like yeah. hitting that's the light, and it's just like you can, yeah, you can YouTube and look up orb videos, but red millions, orbs, but that's red another orbs. thing
1: altogether. Yeah. Really, we don't know. And lights are a little bit different
3: because we've seen lights that that behaved weird. We've to, we've told this one super long ago. Yeah, but when we were in the meadow, it's this meadow that's way up in the mountains in Utah. Were you there, or was it me and Sean and Jordan?
2: I was not there. It was you, Sean, Jordan. Charlie, Sean, Jordan. We
3: get up into the meadow. We start walking in the meadow. It's pitch black. And half a mile, no, not that, a quarter of a mile away from us in the tree line, we see what looks like a lantern going back and forth and like blinking in and out because it's like going behind trees. And So we like stop and we just look at it and we're watching it. And then all of a sudden it gets into the clearing, stops blinking, and it's just sitting there. And And then silently and super fast it starts going, like right across the meadow towards us. But it wasn't, wasn't on an
1: ATV. It wasn't like bumpy. It was and it wasn't bumpy. It's like somebody holding day. a light or running. Yeah, yeah. Just
3: straight line coming towards us and we turned and ran.
2: Yeah, yeah. But no idea what that was. It didn't it like disappear at some point points, and then appear in other parts of the mountain? So when it was in the trees Which was on a hill. It would like
3: go out and then like another one would go on really far away, but then it came back.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Actually, I forgot. I was going to tell you guys what happened to me the other day. It was super trippy. What? So I'm at my girlfriend's house. It's night. So we're looking out the window. Well, we're, like, sitting on the couch, and the window's, like, open so we can, like, see out of it. And she lives kind of up on the hill at Point of the Mountain. And we're looking out the window, and there's this light in the sky. And then there's another light in the sky. And they're both just there, just staying there, not, like, doing anything. And we're both thinking, well, that's kind of weird. Those are pretty bright, like really bright. They don't look like stars. And I was like, okay, well, I whip out my handy-dandy star app and like put it up, and it doesn't like pick anything up. Like there's nothing. And then all of a sudden, they like go away. Like as I'm like looking at my phone, like trying to figure out what's going on, I look back up, and they're gone. Were they stationary? They were stationary, just in the sky. And then a couple minutes later, another one is there, and it's just – pointing straight at the house it's like obviously like off in the sky but super creepy just stationary in the sky huh and i'm like i gotta get this on film so I like whipped out my camera and start like filming and then it occurs to me i was like what if those are just planes it's weird that they're just kind of like staying like stationary though like that doesn't make sense in my head so i like whip out like the uh flight tracker on my phone And as I look at the flight tracking map, there's a plane that's literally coming straight towards the house, (sighs) like from LA or Las Vegas or something. But because of that, on the trajectory it was on, it was just staying straight at us for like five minutes. That's hilarious. And I was like, oh, I'm so freaking stupid.
3: That's Dude, that's your skepticism like right there solving the mystery. Because I would have been like, oh, I (laughs) got to write the Pentagon. (laughs) I just saw three UFOs. It was super creepy
1: at the time. I was like, what is this? And then, like, as uh, there's a flight tracker. I'm just going to have to check it. It yeah. turns out that's what it was. <laughs> Dang. That's funny. But anyways, that's my story for tonight. Uh-huh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do actually have another story for you guys. Let's get into it. It is on one of my all-time favorite spooky subjects. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Oh, sh- so, I've been doing a little bit of searching, digging, you know. Squatching. Squatching, as you will. And I came across a book that was written in 1967. It was called, I Fought the Ape Men of Mount St. Helens, Washington. And it's the story of a man named Fred Beck. Have either of you heard of Fred Beck? Okay, good. So this book is written by his son, Ronald Beck, based on a story that his dad has told him. And in the early 1900s, in kind of this Pacific Northwest area, there was this big, like, Bigfoot craze going on. In fact, there was what was coined as the demon ape hunt going on at this time. Even so much that there was a $100,000 reward for anyone that could find the ape men or the Bigfoot. And to give you, like, some, I guess, adjustment, it was it's about $1.3 million of today's money. So... Kind of a big reward, kind of a big deal. And Fred Beck was at the very heart and center of why this even started in the first place. And his son wrote this book based on the story that he was told. So Fred Beck and his companions, they were all gold miners at the time. And they had a plot of land up near Mount St. Helens, a few miles away from Spirit Lake. And it was in this canyon that is now known as Ape Canyon. At the time though, it was not. It was just some random canyon out in the middle of like the forest. They bought this plot of land and they had built a cabin up there. And in July 1924, they head out. Fred, one of his friends or companions whose name is Hank, which in the story in the book he said is a pseudonym cuz that's not his real name cuz he's trying to protect the identity of all the people identity of all the people involved. And four other companions all head up to this cabin in Ape Canyon near Mount St. Helens. And they're basically just going to be digging for gold. They're going out each day. There's a river that goes down and through the canyon. And here, I have a picture for you guys as well, just kind of near the top of where what Ape Canyon looks like. So it kind of looks like this. Nice. So this is going to be like on the top of one of those ridges in Ape Canyon. So they're out there just prospecting, trying to strike it rich. However, like as they're out digging for gold some days they would see like footprints right around the riverbed and they were described as 14 inches long with four toes <laughs> ninja turtle ass ninja turtle <laughs> ass dude um and Donatello. fred says that his friend hank was an avid hunter and couldn't identify the culprit if you will of these footprints or anything so it's a little unusual. They don't really think much about it. Obviously, they're still thinking about the gold. Now, as they're staying in this cabin, though, they've been here for a little bit. They start hearing like what they described as shrill shrieking almost, and it would happen nightly for a few nights in a row. And it, he said that the way that it happened is they would hear it like coming from across like one of the ridges they would have like this shrieking going on. Can you give us an example? (laughs) Unfortunately, in the book, there was no example. (laughs) Oh, that's a real shame. (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine a shrill shrieking. And then imagine it on another one of the ridges in Ape Canyon. Almost as if something was communicating with another something. He also described that there was another sound that they would hear that almost sounded like... It was like a thumping noise, but it sounded like something was beating its chest, not like something was beating like a tree. It was like doing the old Matthew McConaughey, num num, <laughs> but like super loud <laughs> while, shrieking. <laughs> while shrieking and communicating with something else shrieking. So, this has happened a few nights in a row. They're not really sure what to make of it, they're getting a little uneasy.
2: Wait, so it's happening at nighttime. The first time it was a scream. Second time was a scream with like the, the thumping.
1: No, no, no. So the screaming and thumping is happening simultaneously on each night. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's those two different things are happening and they've happened a couple nights in a row. So one morning.
2: Maybe it's a Bigfoot fap. know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> real ferocious, whoa, whoa, whoa. real
2: ferocious, <laughs> like Donkey Kong in a Smash Bros. where he like pounds the ground. Someone's like, "These aren't footprints; these are dick prints."
1: <laughs> we're really not sure what the fingers on are, the, the toes were <laughs> layers, bro, layers.
0: Um,
1: so one morning, Fred and Hank head out to the river, which is about a hundred yards from the cabin, to uh, bring up some water to the cabin. And as they're like getting water, Fred hears. Hank yell, as he looks over to to Hank, he's lifting his rifle, pointing it up at one of the ridges, and Fred looks over to one of the ridges, and he says this is about 100 yards away. He sees what looks like a figure. He identified it, you know how this all goes, as about seven feet tall, and it looked like it had thick black fur hiding in between the trees. Hank then starts taking shots. He shoots it three different times. And Fred says that he could even see the bark like go, ricocheting off the trees as he's like hitting the trees and not whatever's standing there. <laughs> and then it disappeared. And then a few moments later, whatever it was reappeared running down along the ridge. Hank shoots it again and it disappears again. Both Fred and Hank grab the water and head back up to the cabin as quickly as they can. They get back to the cabin and tell their other, like, companions, the other prospectors, like, what happened? They all kind of have this discussion. They're like, we got to head home. We have to do it in the morning, though, because it's now nightfall, and we're not trying to go out there in the dark. So at this point, they're like, okay, we need to basically go to bed early so we can leave early in the morning and get away from whatever it is that's out here. And there's this cabin. The way that they've built it, there's no windows. And they've built it where there's kind of, like, these two beds— bunk beds on the back end, they face, well, I mean, depends on however you want to sleep, but he said they're facing each other's feet. And then there's two more of them. So six total that are sleeping on the, two that are sleeping on the floor. So there's no light in this cabin. It's nightfall. They all fall asleep. In the middle of the night, they wake up to a giant thud on the side of the cabin. And it was such a big thud that the chinking in like the cabin, like In between the logs, like, fell out of the cabin. Who? in between what? Chinking. That's what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) This is from his book, bro. Was he racist? Probably. Yeah. I don't know. It's like Chinamen started falling from the ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all of the plaster they had in between, like, the cabin, uh, like, the logs, fell, not all of it, but, like, it fell out of between the logs, landing on one of the people who was laying there on the ground. And... They all start waking up to this guy who's on the ground screaming, like, because he just got hit by all of this stuff and all this plaster just on him now. They start gr- pulling it off of him, and one of them gets up and, like, looks out what is now like a hole in the cabin. <laughs> and they hear what sounds like a bunch of people running around the cabin. They're not really sure what to make of it, but it sounds like heavy, f- like, footprints running around the cabin. Now, whoever it was that was looking out, Said that they saw three of these things. What looked like three gorillas, but the way that it sounded sounded like a lot more. So they're like freaking out. They're grabbing their weapons. They start firing out of the cabin now, through like what are the now holes in the cabin. Um. In between all of this, more thudding is like happening to the cabin as what is out there is throwing rocks at the cabin. Now, Fred, he says that there's a lot of accounts, and that's why he kind of told this story in the first place, was to clear it up. There are a lot of accounts that even describe giant stones being thrown at this cabin and even breaking like the uh, roof and striking some of the prospectors. He said there was actually a lack of large stones around the area, and what was being thrown were these like medium-sized stones, if you will, being thrown at the cabin, and nothing was breaking through, But it was terrifying because the first one knocked out, like, the plaster in the middle of the cabin. So they're worried they're going to be able to get in still. So they're firing. Rocks are being thrown back at the cabin. And in the midst of this, Fred says they had an axe that was hanging on, like, the cabin wall. And an arm reached Ah. through, like, this gap now in the cabin and grabbed the axe and started, like, pulling it out of the cabin. And Fred, quick-thinking Fred, turns the axe, like, head sideways so that now it's, like, Ah. trying to pull it and it can't pull it out. And whatever it was that had grabbed it, then let's go. The axe falls back into the cabin. He puts it, quote-unquote, a safe place in the cabin. He said that this was going on all night. And at one point, something even humorous happened as, he said, Hank was singing a song to himself. If you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone, and we'll all go home in the morning. Just singing this out loud to himself. Probably didn't think it was humorous, but Fred thought it was. This After happened. like three hours, though, you'd be like, okay, this, We're is, pretty this is kind of right now. <laughs> <laughs> this happened all night. Eventually, sun rises, and whatever it is, is now like not in sight of the cabin. So the prospectors decide, we have to get out of here. There's no point in packing our stuff. Let's just leave. They obviously grab their weapons, of course. But they start leaving, and along the way, about 80 yards up one of the other ridges as they're heading down this canyon, they see one of the uh, gorillas, quote-unquote, on one of the ridges, and one of the uh, prospectors takes a shot. And this time, they saw it get hit and fall from the ridge down into the canyon Now they're still thinking we have to get out of here because we know that there are more of them. We're not trying to like bring home proof, even though like I probably would be thinking we need to get this and take it with us. They're thinking we still have to get out of here. So they all make it back down to, I think Kelso Washington is the nearest town that they're in. And Fred says he's keeping it quiet. He doesn't want to tell everybody what happened, but one of the other prospectors are multiple like, had been talking, and now this story is getting out. Published in a book? Published in... Well, he told this in 1967 to his son because of all of, like, what had happened, this Bigfoot craze in the area. At the very beginning, he says, it is my intention in this book not only to tell you about the historic encounter I had with these mysterious creatures, but also to reveal to the public what I believe they are. And he believed they were Bigfoot. Now, after the word had gotten out to people in the town, multiple different like organizations get involved. First of all, National Park Service are like, we have to prove this wrong so that people aren't freaking out and like going around hunting in our national parks and stuff like that because there's this $100,000 reward. So they head out there and they do a basic search around the cabin and come back and tell them what they found. The National Park Service says that, yes, there were rocks around the cabin, but they also said... The prospectors potentially could have done that on their own. They did find footprints, but one of the people, and I guess it was a scientist that was working with the National Park Service, basically redid the footprint and did like an arm and then like his four fingers at the end. It's like, this is basically what that footprint is. (laughs) Easily could have been somebody else. They did not find the body of any Bigfoot out there. That's what I was going to ask. However, there is, in addition to this whole thing, Native American legends in the area of something called, and I don't know how to pronounce this, Siathkos. (laughs) Siathkos. Perfect. (laughs) They said that these creatures were harmless and very elusive. They were essentially giant ape creatures that lived in the area. And they were so elusive to the point where they would take their dead with them so that they wouldn't be discovered. Even the legends go as far as they would take every hair with them so that they wouldn't be discovered. I don't know how much I believe. It is also (laughs) urban legends, but there is allegedly that legend that exists in the area. Hmm. So all of that together even brought many people, like searching for the $100,000 reward, including someone that we talked about recently. Kimlin patterson whoa roger patterson was around the area at the time and allegedly found a footprint and cast it as well but that is basically the story of the demon ape hunt and the attack that led to the urban legend that brought everyone to the pacific northwest believing that there were bigfoot in the area
3: damn
1: that's a crazy big fight a big fight <laughs> a
3: big
2: fight <laughs> that's wild did you ever hear the story of how Mike Tyson visited a zoo and he tried to bribe the zookeeper $10,000 to let him in the cage with the gorilla so he could try to box it? <laughs> but the zookeeper turned it down.
1: $10,000? That's what they tell you. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I would never take that money. No. He just murders the gorilla. Just kills a gorilla.
3: <laughs> and then they say, no, we didn't let him. Haram, yeah. <laughs> baby.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh,
3: oh. Huh. The truth comes <laughs> out. Uh, dude, I was using... We, my wife and I have two cars, and for a long time we would just use one. So I hadn't used my other car for a really long time. It's a beater of a car. And after like a year of not using it, I get into it and it's like winter, turn it on, it fogs up. And I'm like, oh crap, I can't see out of the windshield. And I'm like, I'm wiping it and trying to see. And I look over in the passenger and there is baby footprints walking up <laughs> the inside of my windshield. And my wife is like, who the hell is like when did you have a baby in here and i'm like i have no idea and then it dawns on me i remember like a year prior to that dj did the little baby footprint thing so little- you stick your palm on it and then you do your thumb and like little fingers and stuff <laughs> and i was like yeah but it took me a while to remember that but it, th- that reminded me when you said they put their forearm in and the thing it's like the
2: bigfoot version
1: of that the babyfoot version of Did that. they just murdered
2: one of them and just ran away <laughs> on site dude they're
1: just dude, like
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's Unless probably like hey happen. i know last night got crazy but ah <laughs> oh, what the f-? <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm trying
1: to help the gold over there <laughs>
3: <laughs> they' like yeah gave him no time
1: to <laughs> that's crazy i have heard that on mysterious universe oh really yeah yeah no i was like i found a couple books actually and there's a couple that i'm that deal with like a bunch of different cryptids. One that was specifically about that encounter, which was I, I thought it was pretty fun. That's dope. A That's read. like
3: a Bigfoot staple though.
1: So I'm glad you shared it. Yep. That's me for tonight though. Sick.
2: Thanks, dude. Am I the only one who has just kind of given up on Bigfoot?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want to believe, but. there. Uh, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Nothing's
3: compelling to me. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like to what end? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: real quick, dude. I heard a conspiracy theory of why missing ones happen in national parks. <laughs> it goes back to FDR <laughs> signing a deal with aliens <laughs> that they will give us technology if they are allowed to abduct 1 million children a year. Bro, this is the real new deal. And they do most of them through national parks. What the fuck? Or they're allowed to abduct children and people. And how much do, a year? A million around the world. No, no. How much money? They give? Oh, them technology. technology. Oh, technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, and then many believe that there are national parks. Every national park has, like, a crazy
1: government center underground there. Dude, it's crazy, though, like, how many underground caverns and tunnels are, like, in and around highly missing 411 areas. I'm just saying, like.
2: Have you ever seen the underground base at the mouth of the Provo Canyon?
3: You talked about it once.
2: Did I? Yeah. It's like when you get to the bottom of Squaw Peak, like a Squaw Peak turnoff, if you turn left instead, there's a park. There's all these bike trails, like mountain biking trails. And there's like a hiking trail as well. And my girlfriend and I were walking the trail and we got to the end. And there was, like, all this barbed wire fence around, like, a cement slab and, like, a single, like, metal artifice coming up with cameras and, like, signs all over. It says, like, do not trespass. Uh, but, like, there were no cars around. And it was, like, 24-7 hours. That's like, a doomsday 24-7 bunker, uh, surveillance. It was weird walking up to it. And I was like, dude, are there people in there <laughs> right now?
3: <laughs> like, like, not parked anywhere?
2: Yeah. Like, they lived there or yeah. traveled there? It was strange. That is weird. That's that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Me. Tis me. Tis you. The time is nigh. The time is here. <laughs> uh, this is Zion's story. If you don't know who that is, my homie from New Zealand. To describe him, he is the size of a doorway, even bigger. Huge Maori dude. Comes from a tribe of Maoris in the north, north of New Zealand, uh, near Fangare. And his tribe, they're like known for being the biggest and the strongest and kind of the most vicious like warriors. Ton of supernatural stuff comes from up there. We've talked about it briefly, but in the tribes in New Zealand, a lot of the tribes are known for like different things. Some of them divine. Some of them can heal. Some of them, uh, one, uh some of them were known to like be able to disappear while that you were looking at their face and reappear somewhere else. Zion works at a local like Maori mental and social health institute. So they deal with a lot of different issues. Okay. So what's crazy is while we were recording with Camille during the recording, he sent me this story and I'll explain why that's crazy after the story. So he's working at the center doing his rounds and one of his homies, he's changed all the names. So one of his homies comes in and he knows his homie, Joey has been struggling for a while. Doesn't know what, but he just knows something's off. So he kind of like goes over, talks to Joey. And he's like, bro, you okay? And Joey's like, actually, no, I'm not. He's like, what's going on? Joey was raised Christian. He went to one of those churches that have like a band. <laughs> and Joey knows that our homie Zion is not unfamiliar with spiritual things. Like Zion's a pretty spiritual dude and he's pretty in tune. And especially with like good and bad Spirits. So Joey just says, I don't know, man, like something's just been off. He's like, well, what is it? He goes, "Uh, when I'm at home, I never feel alone. I feel like someone's there. He's like, also, I can't sleep. And I've been having like the worst sleep paralysis I've ever had. So talking to him, Zion quickly deduces or just comes to the conclusion that like what you're talking about is most likely an attachment or a full-blown like demonic entity trying to hurt you. Just the things he was saying and like mentally he was really down and like depression and black cloud creeping in. It feels like it's out of nowhere and there's no real reason. So he's like, dude, say a prayer. Try to get some sleep and uh, let me know how you are tomorrow. Check in with me. And his only goes for sure. Immediately, Zion kind of goes to the corner, says a quick prayer. You know, look out for the homie, help him, protect him. Goes about his day. Next day, he's working. Out of the corner of the eye, he sees Joey come in the building and he looks over and knows something is wrong. Joey is drawn. He's his complexion is super pale and he looks bad. Catches eyes with Zion, his eyes go wide, comes over and he goes, dude. He goes, you okay? And he goes, it got worse. And he's like, well, what happened? He goes, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And then he goes, leaves. Later on, Zion would find out that night, Joey's asleep in his bed, wakes up, and he feels like there's something there. And he feels terror, fear. And then all of a sudden, his whole body's like pushed down. Okay, I've been here before. I know what this is. I know what this is. I know what this is. And as he's trying to think and get out of it, he feels two small hands coming up his chest super slowly. And both the hands go around his neck. And in an instant, chokes him harder than he's ever been choked in his life, like pushing him down into the bed. So he spends most of the night like fighting for his life. Like it feels like he's fighting for his life. And when he finally comes out of it, doesn't want to go back to bed. So he hasn't slept for like a solid week, like well. He's been struggling with this every night. By the end of the day, Zion has talked to Joey and he's like, dude, we need to do something. It's getting worse. Like he hasn't slept. So at the center, there's this mother figure, an old old Maori lady who kind of like just offers advice, an ear to listen, a shoulder to cry on to all the workers there. So Zion goes, hey, we should go see her. Joey Joey agrees. And they say to their other homie, Ricky, do you want to come with us? Like, let's go support Joey. Let's let's take care of this together. And Ricky's like, yeah, I'm there. So they call the lady. They say, can we come meet? She says, yeah, of course. Come, come at 4 p.m. We'll be there. They get to the building, and it's at a church. So this lady and her husband are pastors of a local Christian church. They go into their office. And they immediately feel better. It's bright. They're chatting, and uh, the lady looks at Joey and just goes, "Like, tell me what you've been going through." And he briefly describes what he's going through. And they just kind of shake their head. When do you think this started? I don't know. Maybe a couple of weeks ago. Did anything out of the ordinary happen? Were you doing anything new? What What was going on? And he goes, "Well." We were, we did this like meditation program or practice, and maybe I invited it in then. And they go, okay, well, we'd love to offer a prayer. Is that okay? And they go, sure. So they all bow bow their heads and the husband and wife stand up and they go, we're going to pray over you. Okay. They walk over to Joey and they take a tiny bottle and uncork it and they anoint his head and his neck with oil. And they very calmly say, they say, God, please reveal the presence that is hurting our brother Joey. God, please reveal the presence that's hurting our brother Joey. Over and over. Then they walk over to Joey. They put their hands on his shoulders. And again, God, please reveal the presence that is harming our brother, Joey. And they start rubbing Joey. Joey's in his chair, bowing his head, gripping the sides of the chair. And they start rubbing his shoulders and his back, almost as if they're like pulling something out of him. And it becomes a chant. God, reveal what is hurting Joey. Reveal the presence. God, reveal the presence. Reveal the presence. It's getting louder and faster. And at one point, they switch. And they're no longer addressing God. And they start saying, reveal yourself. What is hurting Joey? Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. Over and over. Louder and louder. They're pushing harder on Joey's neck, shoulders, head. They're like dragging it out, trying to pull it out. Zion's in the chair like, ooh, yo. (laughs) (laughs) He says earlier, he's like, I thought it was going to be straight up just like a simple prayer. (laughs) So Zion looks up, sees them. They're pushing Joey hard. Joey is white knuckle gripping the chair, sweating. But it looks like he's determined. He wants to get through this. So Zion doesn't say anything. But Zion looks up at the man and the woman. And the woman's praying, looking at Joey. And all of a sudden, eyes go in the back of her head. And he can just see white, like the undertaker. (laughs) She cocks her head back and starts speaking in tongues. The husband is shouting, reveal yourself, reveal yourself, reveal. And she's speaking in tongues. Strange noises all around the room, like echoing. It's chaos. It's intense. Joey's hyperventilating in his chair. He's like full on. (laughs) As they scream, reveal yourself, reveal yourself. (laughs) It's coming to a point in the head. Joey's like almost in pain, gripping. And the husband says, ah, it's a monkey demon. Zion kind of interjects right here and says, I'm not unfamiliar with light and dark, especially with like demons, angels and things like that. He's pretty well versed in Christian and Maori uh, folklore legend belief. And he's sitting there in his chair, and when he hears that, he's like, what? Like, what? Super skeptical. Like, did I hear him right? What the hell was that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he kind of says, like, okay, this is corn. This is corny. <sighs> so Zion checks in with Joey. Joey's, like, in the grips, but he looks like he wants to get through it. Looks over at Ricky. Ricky's in solidarity, just bowing his head, closing his eyes, and, like, praying. And he's like, Okay. Like he's thinking about pulling Joey because it's getting so intense and weird, but he's like, nah, he like let's just see where this goes. They're screaming at the top of their lungs, leave this body. Leave this body. They're like rubbing every part of his head, every his back, like super hard, like whoom, whoom, rubbing the back of his neck. Leave this body. He's gone from clenching the chair, he's banging his fists as hard as he can on his knees. Like as hard as he can bang his hands, his clenched fists on his knees. Monkey demon. Leave this body and never come back. Monkey demon, leave this body and never come back. They scream louder and louder until Joey arches his back, almost standing up in his chair, and lets out a hoarse scream from the pit of his stomach. Like, ah! Both the pastors calm down. Look at him, walk around the desk, and sit in the chair. Joey collapses in his chair and is breathing normal, Fidget, fists unclenched. Joey seemed better. <sighs> he thanks him. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can feel it. Thank you. And they're like, You did good, Joey. It's done. It's gone. And Zion's sitting in the corner, like, What the hell <laughs> just happened? And Ricky's just sitting there hitting the sign of the cross or whatever he does. <laughs> So Zion's like, okay, that was weird. They thanked him. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for meeting with us. We got to get back to work. Clock out. <laughs> so they go back to work. They're like, dude, you good? And Joey's like, I, re- I really think they did it. Like, I think I'm good. I'm like, okay. Well, that's all that matters, right? And Zion's like, I'm going to suspend my opinions and that's all that matters. If Joey's good, then it worked. We're good. So Joey's like, yeah, I think I'm good. I'm going to go work leaves the room and that's it. It worked. Zion's chilling in the room. He's with Ricky and Ricky's like, I'm headed out. And he's like, hold on. Like, what are your thoughts? What do you think about that? Ricky's like, I don't know, man, that was freaking crazy. Like I was not expecting that. And Zion's like, yeah, me neither. Like the second he said monkey demon, like what the (sighs) hell is that? And Ricky's like, dude, That I don't understand. And he's like, yeah, like I've never heard of that. I don't know. But whatever. If it works for Joey, it worked for Joey, right? So they're like sitting there and Zion pretty much just says like, yeah, like the second he said monkey demon, I just thought the whole thing was kind of ridiculous, but whatever. And anyway, that was it. They were like, okay, going to go their way. And that was the story. Mm -hmm. But before Zion leaves the room, Ricky goes, well, there was one thing that kind of freaked me out. Zion's like, what? And he goes, I don't know. Like when he said monkey demon, I thought it was so weird. I opened my eyes and he goes, dude, I don't know how to explain this. But when Joey let out that scream, he said he opened his eyes and looked up at Joey and he saw a small dark figure jump down from Joey's chair, climb up the wall, lift a ceiling tile, climb in, put it down, and run across the ceiling. He goes, I swear to God, it looked like a small monkey. Zion says, although I still think it was kind of a BS exorcism, I really can't explain what Ricky had seen and heard during the experience. I'm sure there are ways you could explain it, but explain it away. But I really have no idea how legitimate the whole situation was. Like, I know there are demonic forces in the world and I know they have malicious intent. I'm just not sure if the methods and the conclusions drawn by the pastors and Joey are 100% true. Still, not sure what to make of it. It was a really intense situation and I'm just grateful that it helped Joey. As of today, Joey seems well and hasn't had any further negative influence from the monkey demon, so I guess it worked. (laughs) So, that's the story of how I accidentally attended an exorcism during work hours. (laughs) I know the story is a bit all over the place, but feel free to ask any questions, bro. So, why is... Why... Okay. One, the story's crazy. Yeah. I believe Zion 100%. Not the type to lie or make anything up. So, that it's crazy on its face. Two... I got it during Camille's stories. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any of Camille's stories that would make me freak out why I got this at the exact same time? And if you can't, I'll help you out. Camille Jolly told a story of two missionaries knocking on doors. Oh, yeah. And the door opens, and it's a lady, and she's aggressively telling them, I do not want you here. And she's peeking through the door. And she's like, leave. I do not want you here in a deep, dark voice. And then the door opens all the way. One of the missionaries sees a parrot on her shoulder. And the second he sees a parrot, he said he's like overcome by fear, looks at his companion, says, hey, we just need to get out of here. They run away, talk about it. Wow, that was really crazy. That was weird. I felt weird.
0: What about that effing
3: parrot? And the other companion goes, what parrot? I did not see a parrot. Then we started talking about animal attachments
2: Mm -hmm. and
3: literally as we're talking about that, he sent this story and I was like, bro, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but that's weird.
2: Yeah, because up until that point, that was the first time we ever heard about like an animal appearing as like, we talked about omens.
3: The only other one is I told him, bro, you sent this while one of our guests was sharing the thing about the parrot. And I was like, do you remember on the mission, the story from Elder Downs, when his uncle came, saw the other uncle had a gecko on him
1: mm, yeah, yeah, and he
3: took the gecko and died? He goes, so he said, yeah, for real, that's trippy, bro. These ministers were so adamant that it was a monkey spirit attached to Joey. Even though I know firsthand about spirit and possessions and demons, I really thought the idea of being a monkey spirit was straight up nonsense. Wasn't until Ricky asked me if I saw... Or heard the monkey that I started to rethink about it. And he goes, bro, I remember Downs' story too. Spooky AF. <laughs> <laughs> he also said, I have another story I need to send you. Oh. He said, why would it be a monkey? There aren't even monkeys in Aotearoa, like New Zealand. So it's <laughs> like, why would it be a monkey? <laughs> And are animal demons just manifestations of spirit type or personality such a strange to look such a strange thing to look into. So I started doing a ton of research on attachments and in famous demons. I don't really want to go too far into it because it's just so damn dark and most of the things were like this is how you get rid of attachments and I don't also want to give like advice to our listeners on how to <laughs> perform rituals on how to get rid of attachments but understandable yeah I don't know. I thought it was a crazy story the monkey dude i was like what the f is happening
2: it's weird do you remember this uh me talking about uh like pork in hawaii and how it's like sacred
1: pork in hawaii
2: pork being sacred uh not necessarily sacred okay in hawaii man it's been a long time since i've read up on this but i think his name is lono lono is like the god of war and he's also lots of gods and goddesses deities in hawaii kind of have like different domains. There's lots of times one that they like are known for and then a bunch of like other small ones. So Lono, the god of, I think he's the god of war and also like the pig god as well. And where he he lives is the Pali, like Nu'uanu Valley, where the Pali Highway is, Morgan's Corner, where they like force like thousands of soldiers off the cliff and they all fell to their death. So the the legend is in Hawaii. If you carry like pork over the highway, like weird things will happen. So if you have like pork in your car, like your car will break down. What uh, if
3: you're bringing back home food, bro? <laughs> that's
2: that's part of it because it's like disrespecting him. It's like you're, like you have it like, over the highway. His dead body. Yeah. <laughs> Misdirection.
1: Um, yeah. Then yeah. drive.
2: <laughs> I wonder where, like, the monkey demon thing is, like, based in.
1: Bro, know? all I could think about was Jackie Chan. As the cartoon. <laughs> Again, I thought about that, too. <laughs> like, the talismans. The talismans. I was like, okay, I'm I'm kind of seeing that. Huh. I don't know.
3: Weird. Like, uh, old Mesopotamian demons and stuff like that. A lot of them had, like, animal characteristics. Anubis in mm, yeah. in, uh, in uh, Egypt and things like that. Like, they take on the form of cat, birds, dogs, like, jackals. Yeah. So, I, don't I don't know. Vials. In researching this, it was breaking down all the major demons, and it went over Pazuzu, which by saying his name, you're not really supposed to do that. It invites it, so my bad, everyone. <laughs> I already
2: said it this episode.
3: Oh, okay. Both of them are gonna, getting cursed, bro. But they would mentioned him, and he has like the face of a dog, and
1: but like, what kind of dog are we talking? Like a like a like a French like? It's like a dog beast. What? Like I don't know.
3: It's an artist rendition of a dog for sure. But anyway, he. <laughs> He's like the demon of... And these are the fallen angels who followed Lucifer out of heaven. And then like there was just, just like some heavy hitter demons. And so we know their names. Uh, but he's like the god of pestilence and famine. And so he's like... He was the reason or the cause of all the locusts and shit like that. So he's a super bad dude. Really scary. But then there's another demon who her specific thing is to attack and kill children. And he protects children from her what the and the feeling i got was like it wasn't necessarily like him being good i think he just likes to cause chaos so it's like even thwarting other demons he's like haha (laughs) like the ultimate troll random side note but i mean
1: it seems like he's not that bad of a dude Then, yeah
3: there we are wait no (laughs) anyway that's me tonight shout out Help. another night another round of stories that was a fun one thank you Zyne, for sending that in Thank you, Zach. Josh. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> My bad, dude. <laughs> and thank you. Technically, Beck. Fred. What's the last name? Beck. Beck. <laughs> <laughs> <me>. Beck did. <dude. laughs> uh. Those were fun. Yeah, those are good, good good ones. Good times. Guys, we love you so much. Thank you for sticking out with us. Thank you for the growth. Thank you for sharing. You guys must be telling all your friends because it's uh, we're going up and it's fun oh yeah it's cool spooky season is upon us it's our time share this episode any of our best episodes with a friend who needs a little extra scare this holiday season and send your story in you can send it to our IG DMs or you can go to the3ampodcast.com where you can submit your stories check out merch et cetera et cetera
2: until next time bye love you be safe trust your gut watch your back
1: be careful out there goodbye submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you.
0: With the Lucky Landslots, Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.